Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. And and um, and so we're just gonna just keep on the journey. I started. I guess I'm really not a series type uh, uh, guy. If I do, I just happen to stand. Uh, just just stay in a vein till till uh, just keep going in that direction. And so I just cannot get out of it. And so I started. I guess was two Sundays ago, preaching from the text in Matthew chapter 16. And uh, out of that ch- uh, text in uh, Matthew chapter 16, we re- um. We went over and we talked about the word ecclesia, which means the church, right? Y'all, y'all, y'all gonna help me now? All right, so y'all help me right here, and I'll be able to, I'll be able to preach. If I can't get no help, that means I gotta, I've gotta take up at least an hour to set up the foundation before we can preach on the subject. Amen. So I really just, I think this is gonna be titled the culture war. So that's what I'm uh, still preaching on. How many believe we desperately need the Lord in our nation? And what's amazing to me, and I'm going to get into it, is even when it comes to issues of voting, how upset people get with you just just because of trying to vote and, and preach from the Bible. It's quiet. And I'm living in the Bible Belt. Hello. It's just going to be one of those, I guess. And so would you say, I was listening to an economist, Hoover Institute, a podcast. One of the things he was saying was he talked about voting and things, and he said, it seems like in America today we get caught up like we like we're voting on a palm a prom king or a prom queen. And you realize what I'm talking about, how important it is. Do you understand that the offices in this land that we elect people, they hold our lives in their hands and how they turn and direct this nation. You don't have to judge Trump. God will. And the same as God will judge me, those that desire to teach know that they shall come under stricter judgment is what the Bible says. So I had this thought, and Catherine and I, this is coming from months of conversation in our house. And I come home one day, and I hit her with just a whole plethora of of information that really got her thinking because she teaches. Uh, she is a teacher here in Cook County, third grade math, right? And science, math and science. And so, um, so I was asking her some questions and I want to really just, today if you'll forgive me, I may not, I, I'm subject to holler at any time, but I really I got a lot of information I want to go over. And that's what I want to leave you with today before we get on this uh, break. And I had this thought, and the thought I I had was, if Billy Graham was in his prime right now, the great evangelist Billy Graham, if he was in his prime today, I'm 39 years old, be 40 in May of next year. If he was my age today, could Billy Graham 
could Billy Graham preach the crusades today and have the same results? I would tell you that he couldn't. And it has nothing to do really with the anointing that was upon his life. But the, the, the times that he was running the crusades in this nation was a whole different time than where we are at presently. And I'm going to show you in the Bible two stark contrasts of two different preachers that preached a sermon. One preached with great results, one preached with very little result. But I want to show you these two, uh, two different sermons. Are you okay? So let's get, look at this right here this morning. We got a lot that we're going to cover and go over. So if you will, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And I want to read, we, we, I'm just assuming, and just to sake of time, because we're, we've got several that's got to go eat with family today or whatever, but for the sake of time, we're going to set up the Acts chapter 2. It starts out at the day of Pentecost. Remember, Jesus sent them to Jerusalem, right? To go tarry into an upper room. To wait on the promise, the promise of the Father to come what? The promise that they would be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Acts chapter 2 opens up and sh- like, like at the day of Pentecost. At the day of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. This is 50 days after the resurrection. The Holy Spirit shows up in this upper room and it fills 110 believers and cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. And they all begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. And it caused this commotion in the city. And men begin to come out and see what was taking place in the city. Now Peter's about to stand up. Peter, the one that denied the Lord three times. Come on, somebody. On his last account of denying, it was a young girl that questioned him and says, Were you not with the man? And Peter started cussing. He didn't even have the faith to stand up to a teenage girl and say, yes, I know the man. But there's something happens to the believer after the presence and the power of Almighty God comes upon your life. If there's ever been a day and hour, what we need in the church is an emphasis on the power of the Holy Spirit once again in the church. So now we're fixing to see Peter the fishermen stand up and preach the gospel in verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose since it's the third hour of the day. Nine in the morning. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel and it shall come to pass. That in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my, on my men's servants and on my uh, maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire, vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God through through which God did through him in your midst, and as you yourselves also know. 
him being delivered by the by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God and you have taken you have taken by lawless hands has crucified and put to death look at this whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because he was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may be, I'm, I may not be ashamed, I may not be shaken, therefore my heart rejoices and my tongue shall be glad, more of my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave in my, my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. And you have made known to me the ways of life, you will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me freely, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David that is both dead and buried and in his tomb is with us to this day. His tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing God had sworn with an oath to him of the fruit of his body according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne he foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in Hades nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost just reading the word of God. This Jesus God has raised up which we are witness, We are all witnesses. Therefore be exalted to the right hand of God having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit he poured out, out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to the heavens but he said the Lord said to my Lord sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord in Christ my God I feel the Lord Jesus now when they heard this they were cut to heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do and Peter said to them repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as our Lord God will call and with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying be saved from this perverse generation then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day 3,000 souls were added to them how many knows that's amazing to stand and preach your first sermon and win 3,000 souls to the Lord Peter is standing up and the crowd that he is speaking to is a crowd of Jews they understood when he said God they knew exactly who he was talking about. They knew he was talking about Yahweh. They knew he was talking about Yahweh, Jehovah, the God that created the heavens and the earth. They had an understanding. They were waiting on the promised Messiah. And all Peter did was stand up and say, hey, this has already been prophesied. This is what Joel declared in Joel 2.28 when he said in the last days that God was going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. We are gathered in this upper room and we are the, we are the recipients of such of an outpouring this morning. That God has released his spirit and he has begun to pour it out on all flesh. So friend, we've been in the last days since Peter spoke this message. So when we understand in, in eschatology, in, in, in theology, that the last days is a broad term. 
And people want to make it like it just started in the 80s. It started here when Peter preached his first sermon. And so Peter had a people that understood when he spoke. They understood God as the creator of the heavens and the earth and God as the creator of mankind. That this God from one man made every race. Lord, help me out right here in Sparks. I mean, come on, somebody. And now he says, what are you going to do to escape this perverse generation? Repent of your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 3,000 men hear that message and say, sign me up for that. Now, there's many ways, according to the nation today, that leads to God, but I've come to preach you the truth of what the Bible says. And I've told you this, I believe the Bible to be 100% the Word of God. Does anybody else believe that with me in this room? I believe what the Word says in 2 Timothy 3.16, for the Word of God is inspired. All Scripture is inspired and written by, written by God. For what? Correction? Uh, uh, exhortation? It is all given by God. Over 15... Over 1,500 years to compile the canon of Scripture with over 40 authors and 66 different books. This book has been tried to be destroyed by man since the beginning, but yet it is still the number one best-selling author. Come on, somebody. According to this Bible that I hold in my hand, Hebrews 4 and 12 says this word is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Come on, somebody. How can you know this? After 20 years of building my life on this word, I found it to be absolute truth. I found out that this word can get you out of poverty. Come on, somebody. This word can get you delivered from addictions of things that you never thought were possible to break off of your life. If you just trust this word, this living word that I'm talking about this morning, I came to tell you, not because of what I read in a book, but because I've seen what's happened in my own life. You can absolutely be delivered from depression, addiction, or whatever else you got this morning. Come on, somebody. This thing can bring, this thing can bring healing to families with division. It is an answer to everything that pertains to life and godliness is found in the B-I-B-L-E, the living word of God. So Peter has great success with his message. So when Billy Graham was running this nation, Preaching left and right, I started to put up a slide when he's in Melbourne, Australia in 1959. 150,000 gather to hear this preacher. One hundred and fifty thousand gathered in Melbourne, Australia, 1959, to hear this preacher. This preacher that sat down with every president to give his input in this nation. Traveled to the White House. Except on the last lug of the journey in 2010 when he sits down with Barack Obama. And he sat and Obama went to his house. Come on now. But there was a different time in a nation. Now when you and I say God, we don't know who we're talking about. 
God can be any, anything from Allah to whatever else we want to worship in this land. We're slowly but steadily headed off the cliff to now we don't even know God as the creator. Here's the thing. I get one hour, two hours at top on a week to preach the gospel. Statistically says most people will not even read the Bible out apart from church. Come on now. We are the most informative generation where every type of language of the Bible is held at your fingertips and on your phone, any translation you want. But yet we are still, we are still at, a, at a staggering statistics of biblical illiteracy in the church where the underground church in China can't even walk with the Bible. Come on, somebody. And no more of the Word of God than what some in the American church do. Come on. I'm not trying to beat us up. I'm trying to wake us up and rally us up. Come on now. If we really believe the Bible was a living book, come on, and it could do everything that it says it could, it could do, come on somebody. How many knows that would be the main thing that you would make sure that you had in your house? Hello, it's time to church quit saying, well, this is, what it, this is what I heard it said. This is what I heard it say. Most people, you ask them today, and they say, well, the Bible says do not judge. The Bible never says do not judge. Hello. Uh, let, let me just calm down a minute. Hold on. Somebody said, well, he ain't got nothing to back that up. Matthew chapter 7 says this. It says, do not judge lest you be judged. For the same measure you measure out, that same measure will be measured back unto you. It's in, Luke, it's in Matthew chapter 7. It's also found in Luke chapter 6. And Luke goes on, the more completion of the gospel goes on to say this. It says, you judge a, a, you judge by the, a tree by its fruit. For a good, a good tree can't deliver bad fruit. Come on, somebody. So Jesus never said not to judge. He gave you the measuring line which you judge. What he was saying is if you're going to judge, make sure your life measured up to the tree. Hello. What he's saying is don't be trying to deal with, the, deal with the speck in your brother's eye when you got a beaming pole in your own. Make sure your own life measures up. Come on. So let me tell you where judgment starts. Judgment starts by looking at the man in the mirror. When I look in the mirror and say, mm, come on now, and the Word of God is the plumb line in which we judge our life by. I don't judge my life by Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, Rod Parsley, or nobody else. We judge our life by the living Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, and the words that he wrote to us. What happens is, listen, how we got in this mess is we started comparing our life to our neighbor because it was okay for the neighbor. I, I, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit meddling. Come on, we're going to get back in here. Well, I can preach for days on this. This is all I bet. This is all I eat. All right, come on. Let's look right here. So can we, can we establish the fact that this, because of the culture in which Peter was pre preaching to, this is what produced the results that Peter was after. Could we, could we make an assumption, or at least could we draw a synopsis from that story that Peter, all he had to do was tell them, hey, guys, this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Joel prophesied. The Jesus whom you crucified, God is raised from the dead. He's not in the tomb no more. Come on, somebody. And then he took them back to David. They knew exactly who he was talking about. When, when he said, David said, he sets before me always. And they said, who's going who's gonna to say, who shall save us from this perverse generation? Who's going to fix the mess we in? It ain't D.C. 
The Lord Jesus Christ. Come on now. 3,000 men says, sign me up for that. All right, let's move on right here. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Oh, yeah, 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 so long. Well, I'm telling you, Norton's in this room right here. I'm telling you right now, you hear me? The power of God's in this room right now. It's coming off of that piano. It's hitting this big ball-headed machine, and it's also all up in this room right here. So the first time I met you, Seth, I'm telling you, the power of God has increased on you every time you get behind that board. God's going to use you mightily, absolutely mightily. You didn't go see the things in Dallas just to go see them. The Lord took you there, hung some fruit in front of your face, showed you the possibilities and showed you the call that's on your life. Now let's look at this in Acts chapter 17. Now let me just say this. Here's the author of 13 books of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul. Now we're fixing to hear him preach. Paul wasn't such a great preacher. So how do you know that? In Acts chapter 20, the Bible says he preached unto midnight. Could you imagine me preaching unto midnight? It said, nobody's out. I'll be gone. Paul preaches unto midnight, and there was a man by the name of Eutychus. That was sitting on the third level of the, uh, sitting in the upper room of the third part, and he fell out of a window listening to Paul preach. How many knows if you have people falling out the windows and people dying, you probably ain't that great of a preacher. But if you get, but if you hand Paul a pen, he was bad with a pen. All right, you with me? So now we're fixing to hear him preach. Look at where he shows up at. He's in Athens, at the University of Georgia. Come on now. We got another hour and a half on the flight. Look at you. Keep your seatbelt on. We're going to hit some turbulence right here, I'm telling you. Look at this. Acts 17, verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Let me just tell you something. The things that are going on in our community should concern every believer. Hello. You can't sit, we can't sit in the back seat looking out the window and saying, well, whatever's going to be is going to be. That is not the position of the church. Jesus said the position of the church was an ecclesia in Matthew 16, a governing legislative body that would infiltrate the marketplace that he said that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman hid in, in a measure of meal until the whole lump became leaven. You know what Jesus, Jesus said? My life, you hide me right in a corrupt system to what's on my life begins to influence that system and bring about change. So Paul is, he's provoked in his spirit by what he's seeing happening in the land. In his community, he's, he's provoked in his spirit by what he sees happening. 
I mean, I just want to sit right here and camp out and just tell you the stuff that is happening right here on a local level. I ain't even got to preach about what's happening on a national level. I'm talking about what's happening on a local level. All you got to do is have a teenager that goes to school and come home and let him tell you what's happening at school. When my son that's in the fifth grade comes home and says that a substitute, a substitute teacher come in the classroom and she told this child, don't get on the games anymore. He turns around and stands up in the classroom and tells her to shut up. Now, I, Hey, I'm 39, I'm 39 years old. I'm just talking about how I grew up. If you got in trouble at school, you didn't want to go home. Hello? Anybody else up in here? We're going to get on this in a minute. You, you didn't want to go home. Because when we grew up, daddy and mama didn't assume it was the teacher's fault. Now the role is reversed. When you come home, it's the teacher's fault instead of the child's fault. Oh, don't give me. This is every day. Well, you're, 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 my child's failing because the teacher ain't teaching. No, what you need to do is get your child off of social media and everything else that's on that child and get them in a book. Hello. And they'll start passing. Oh, man. Oh, Lord. See, real preachers need security because they talk about real issues. I'm going to get up. So Paul is, he, he's provoked in his spirit by what he sees. Listen to this. Let's read on. Let's read on. All right, look at this. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers in the marketplace daily who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him and said, what does this babbler want to say to us? Look at, the, look at how the Apostle Paul was respected in Athens as a preacher of the gospel. What does this babbler want to say? This is the exact thing that's going on in our country now. Where the intellectual is held in high esteem, but the preacher as a babbler. Don't dr drop me on education. We are trailing. We are trailing now, right now. As a, I could give it to you in, in 2017. Do you know this? This is, just came out in 2017. That 19% in this nation graduate school illiterate. Illiterate. 19% graduate high school illiterate in this nation. We are trailing third world countries. But yet the preacher in this nation is considered a babbler. And the intellectuals esteemed high. By the way, when I talk about intellectuals, I'm not talking about brain, uh, 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 brain surgeons, engineers. I'm talking, when I refer to an intellectual, I'm talking about at the end result of what they do, there's nothing but an idea. All right, let's go. Well, what has this babbler got to say? What, what's this babbler want to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. 
because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. All you got to do is preach on today's issues and to the church here in the South now, it will sound like we are preaching a foreign gospel just on a simple subject of abortion. In 2000, the year 2000, there was a young African-American lady died in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She went to the abortion clinic of Kermit Gosnell. Who's ever heard of him? Raise your hand if you ever heard of Kermit Gosnell. Raise your hand. He is the most mass murderer ever recorded in history. And we, and we look, raise your hand. How many's ever heard of Kermit Gosnell? Is the number one serial killer that ever hit, Amer- hit, 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 hit the continent? Kermit Gosnell. He ran an abortion clinic in Philadelphia. There's a movie out right now called Gosnell. Dean Kane and the other Hollywood actors that signed up to do that movie realized that they put their career on the line to do that movie because Hollywood liberals would no longer call on their service if they signed up to do the acting in that movie. Multiple actors in that movie were pro-choice and not pro-lifers. After doing the film and going through the data and studying Kermit Gosnell, they changed their viewpoint on abortion and became pro-lifers. Kermit Gosnell would deliver children in Philadelphia and he would take scissors after delivering a live baby out of the womb and take the scissors and cut the throat and the child would bleed out right there in the, right there in the thing. Listen to this. When they raided in 2010, they found that the number one, the best anesthesiologist, the best anesthesiologist that they had in the clinic was a 15-year-old. Jess, you're a doctor in here. A 15-year-old. A 15-year-old giving the anesthetics to these, giving the, the, the medicine to these women. If you were black, you went on one side, which was a rougher side of the clinic. And this guy was an African-American. Come on. You went on this side because, because black women were more likely not to tell what was going on than what white women were. He had collected all kind of jars in this office. There were all kind of jars where he would cut the legs clean off of a baby and put it in a jar as a trophy. But how did Kermit Gosnell take a life in 2000? And it was only by when in 2009 when a refugee died that they started looking at what may be going on with Kermit Gosnell. What what is happening? Because there was all kind of bureaucracy, come on now, and red tape in this nation that protected him as an abortionist and he was a mass murder operating in society. Come on, church. Why are you preaching on this? Because if we don't wake up the people, we're going to cease to exist as a nation. He would show up in the office in the afternoons with body parts laying all over the table. He would take and eat cereal right amongst little babies' feet and right up their babies' the feet and the legs, half of their face where they had ripped them off. This is where he was at. You with me now? 
So when Paul arrives here, the preacher is, their, their response to Peter was, what must we do? My God, tell me, how can I sign up? Where, where, how can I get what you have? But when Paul comes to Athens, with no biblical worldview, come on somebody. Their response to him was, what does this babbler have to say? Now, I've got to preach it. Can you just read this when you get home and trust I'm on? If you trusted me thus far, trust me the remainder of this 20 to 25 minutes to know that I'm going to quote the rest of it. So Paul doesn't start with Jesus. He doesn't start with the cross. And this is the problem. We're trying to reach, we're trying to reach millennials with the cross. They don't understand the cross because they don't understand in the beginning. I have your, I have, we have your kids on one hour a week, but yet we send them down to an educational system that is undermining everything that we try to tell them. Houston, Houston, Texas, which is larger by population than 26 states of the country. In its school, when it's, uh, it, whatever the national deal or whatever the, the city deal on the school teachers, this is what the school teachers were instructed. If a student comes to you, you are not to, if they tell you, this is how you respond if they come with a social problem or any type of problem, you tell them this is the answer that you tell them. Whatever you feel good about. Whatever makes you happy. If, you want to if someone don't believe this is so, I can take you to the article where this is printed. Whatever makes them feel happy. So what happens with the millennial generation is there is no absolute truth. Can I just talk to you a minute? I miss the millennials by a couple of years. I'm Generation X. And we got these Gen Zers that are coming up after the millennials. So what happens is I watch this happen with my own niece. Left because of high aspirations to graduate Terry Biz uh, Terry. Business college at the University of Georgia. She goes to four years at Georgia, and everything she believed before she left got totally disintegrated at the University of Georgia. Why? Because of intellectuals and left wingers. Listen to me. I'm neither Democrat nor Republican, and I can prove that by my voting record. But leftists and liberals in the education system who has infiltrated the education system that will totally, to totally undermine. You say, how do you know this? My, remember what I said, my wife's a third grade teacher, right? So I come home. And I said, Catherine, what do you do to, what do you use for data to, to, to tell me how old the earth is? See, by the time your kid gets to 7th and 8th grade, 6th, 7th and 8th grade, they use something called carbon-14 data in the, in the school system, right? And that's what we teach to age the earth. But look at how smart people are in, 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 in America. Carbon-14 data is only proven scientifically that it can age up to 50,000 years. You don't need 50,000 years because the earth is not that old. Hello? The earth is only 6,000 years old. Lord Jesus, something. I figured I'd get an amen up in here. If you only have a measuring tape that runs out 50,000, how can you say it's 63 million? 
After that, it's a guess. Well, preacher, you ain't never seen a dinosaur? Yeah, I've seen a dinosaur. Seen one last week when I was hunting. No, I'm playing this to me. Huh? Listen to me. The whole Jurassic Park thing is an absolute lie. Y'all help me out of here. Just tell them, tell them, just help me. I know your word. The Jurassic Park deal is a lie. Dinosaurs never ate meat. How do you know that? The first eight chapters of the book of Genesis tell me that. Man never ate meat till after the flood. Oh. Man never ate meat, nor did an animal ever eat meat. That's why man walked alone with the lion, and the lion didn't want to devour him. Come on, somebody. When the new Jerusalem ascends down from heaven, John 21 says this new Jerusalem, that the lion will lay down with the lamb again in perfect peace. My God, there's so much I want. I could throw up in there about Daniel's lion den, Daniel in the lion's den and go a little deeper with that. Come on, somebody. The reason why the lion didn't want to jump him because he was a reflection of God. Come on, somebody. Whew. I feel the Holy Ghost up in this place. So your children, we put them off. What? We take them to the Greeks to educate them. Oh, yeah. And so you got the preacher and you trying to tell them, you trying to tell them absolute truth, but we send them down there to the Greeks. See, the millennials is the only generation that has ever been born outside of handheld data. When I was a little boy, me and Gavin was talking about this Friday. I 20 years old before I saw a cell phone. It was a bag phone. How many remember the bag phones? The bag phones, you could talk in the middle of nowhere. I remember, I remember being in the middle of the Sahara Desert. The power lines was on bamboo. You could work, you could work a transmission line in the back of a pickup truck with a step with a step ladder. There's on cell phone talking. Little old phone like this. But we had the bag phone. The bag phone, you got 60 minutes a month. This is how you talked on the cell phone back when I come up. Back in the day. Hey, we be home by five minutes. Just left the grocery store. Got the milk and eggs. Going by cars, get something to eat. Bye. And if you could, if you talk for thirty seconds, it charged you a minute anyhow. Listen to this: that I called Catherine from Bombay, India, one time, and the lady told us downstairs. She said to call U.S. six rupees. No, no. Yeah, six rupees or something. I said, I don't know about that. I worked for the phone company. I said, guys, I don't know if that's true. Call the U.S. Six rupees. You change in a, a dollar and get like 40 rupees. I mean, the dollar was strong there. And so I called Catherine. This before we was married. I was talking to her. You know, just, just breathe on the phone for about five minutes. I'd have made my conversation. Then another guy was with me. He called. He talking like 15 minutes. I went back up there and I asked the manager of the hotel we were staying in. I said, now how much is it to cost the U.S.? Call the U.S. It was like 30-something like dollars to connect the call. Then so much a minute, I can't remember. So anyhow, I figured my conversation with Catherine was about $150. So I go in there to my friend that's on the phone. I said, hang the phone up now. It ain't no rupees. It's American dollars. Hang it up. Listen to this. 
4%, look at your neighbor and say 4%, 4% of millennials have a biblical worldview. 4%. 4%. Let's look at this. I ain't got time to get off. I'm just going to give y'all, y'all right, I'm going to give you the dessert right here. I ain't got time to go through. I ain't even made it to the notes. Listen to this. Listen to this. All right. They're the first generation born into handheld technology and smart devices. Millennials do not want, do, do not know what it is like to live outside a digital world. All right, let me say this. We never saw school shootings until this generation rose up. Hello. So here's the deal. To fix the school problem, what we got to do is get rid of the guns. We need to lock all the guns up. That's going to fix it. You had guns long before you had millennials. Come on. I'm just trying to talk here. You all right? But what you didn't have was, I forget the author, his first name is Thomas, wrote this book called Disconnected. How you can walk in a school and shoot up a school is because you have disconnected. You disconnected into your handheld device. That's why teenagers don't even know how to communicate because you can't communicate unless you text it. But we used to have to call a look at her and say, do you like me? We, wasn't be, we didn't have no profile we could hide behind. If I did, mine would have been David Hasselhoff out there. Or The Rock or something, you know. Come on. Disconnected. And we got a whole generation of millennials that are disconnected. How many knows what the average video game user is in America? The average age of a video gamer in America is 35 years old. It's what, it's what Corey Russell calls extended adolescence. People ain't growing up. You get mad if you want, but a grown man ain't got no business setting hours a day playing a video game. Not if you got children to raise and a home to run and a wife to worry about. And we wonder what's wrong with our kids. These are the issues that's got to be dealt with. You can put everything up in society, but you're never going to turn anything until you deal with the heart of man. All right. Y'all all right? So this is the first handheld generation. Got everything you want in the palm of your hands. Anything for whatever you want to do. Gamble, porn, drugs, whatever's in the palm of your hand. So let's move on. Your neighbor said, boy, get it done. We're we about to get done right here. Listen to this. Second, they've been educated in increasingly left-leaning, secular, progressive education systems. Previous, previous generations started each day with prayer and the pledge of the allegiance to the flag. Hello? Is that how y'all went to school? Generation X, baby boomers? Any speeches, 
in the civil rights. Look at go home on YouTube, Martin Luther King, his speeches going through the going through the thing. One of the common things you will see out front was the American flag. Thanking God that we were born in this country. Listen to this right here. I'm fit to go a little further. So we started every day with prayer to God the Father through Jesus. Hello. Y'all, can, can, can we go just a little deeper right here? This is how we started today. All right. Listen to this. I'm going to show you how fast. I'm going to show you how fast that American history has been taken clean out of society. Of the 76 elite universities in this nation, if you go to one of the 76 elite universities in this nation and you want to major in history, only 12 require you take a class in American history. I'm fixing to show you a book that changed your life in a minute. I'm going to show you where I'll be digging that a little bit. I can't tell you all the stuff. You know what I'm saying? I get you in the neighborhood. Then y'all think I'm not a good preacher. You know what I'm saying? I got to keep... I got this, you know what I'm saying? I remember watching the Ninja Turtles one time when Grant was little. And the Ninja Turtles was going to rise up and take up their master splinter. Remember that? They won't challenge him to a fight. And he said this. He said that, uh, he said, remember, I taught you everything I know. I taught you everything you know, but I never taught you everything I know. <laughs> right, so listen So these millennials are a whole different breed of species. Only 4% have a biblical worldview, the lowest percentage of any generation, millennials. 74% view homosexuality as morally accepted. Why does that happen? Because through media, entertainment, everything has pushed this issue. It's pushed this issue. I told you about the Lincoln Loud on Nickelodeon. I'm not listening to me. Don't take me where I'm not going, but I'm telling you, everything is in society to push that agenda. Four to five percent of American population look at the microphone they have. The church, look at the millions of Christians in this nation. What kind of microphone should we have? Can't get no help on that. That's all. 81%, this is millennials, support legal recognition of homosexual marriage. I watched this debate of this, um, gosh, what's his name? Tony Perkins, maybe. Tony Perkins. And he's on, on a newscast, and this other guy's coming up. He's talking about he prays and all this kind of stuff, goes through all this different stuff. And this is what he said. He said, it's people like you. That tried to jump on what morals are. There are morals. You decay them, you decay society. Why is poverty on the increase? You want to know the answer? It's not because the laws in Washington, D.C. hasn't been passed correctly. Actually, some of the ones that we think help us actually hurt us. Come on now. You okay? Why don't we talk about getting the moral standard of the Bible back in society and stop teenage pregnancy? 
that'll cut your poverty down. I, the people that just gave a great big amen on that. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Uh, listen to this. 59, 59% of millennials have never married a percentage much higher than any previous generation. In 1960, 65% of those aged 18 to 32 were married. Today, that number has dropped to 26%. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that there's no hope. When I said this Wednesday night, Catherine said, you're just one man. What she's talking about is the forest fire that we're up against in the nation. But little by little, let me tell you this. Millennials are the most passionate generation that's ever been, that's ever been born. Now, here's the deal. This is how I'm trying to show you right here. Can you give me five minutes? I'm going to show you how stuff happens in your nation, okay? When you take away no biblical worldview, no absolute truth, millennials believe this. They believe in branding. It's called branding, right? They believe in branding. And, if, and it doesn't have to have facts to support it. Just whatever the brand is. So here's the thing. In the 2016 primaries of the presidential primaries, 75% of millennials voted for Bernie Sanders who run on a socialist platform. Which factual can never, has never been proven in any nation to help the poor. What? Just trying to show you the mindset. Everybody's trying to make it into the White House, right? Both sides, okay? So let's just, let's just say this, okay? So you have all these people studying the data of the land. So what does Trump's team do? If you want to get it with millennials, you got a brand. This is the only language they understand. They don't understand. I don't care what kind of facts you put up. They don't understand. They understand branding. I got a couple of millennial preachers that I, that I talked with and I converse with. And I sent this article that I wrote. And I sent it out on a limb saying, what do you think about this? I knew that it was fixing to shock the world in which he was living in. And I got a much response to what I thought I would get. But, but what I understand is the only way we're going to bring change is to create dialogue. We can't separate. we got to bring dialogue. Come on. And remain teachable. Nobody's walking with the correct deal. You know what I'm saying? So listen to this. So they said, you got a brand. Okay. My gosh, i got to come up with a brand name about my opponents. Boring Jeb. This is what Donald Trump said about Jeb Bush. Boring Jeb. When the brand stuck, his poll numbers fell. His next opponent that he had to worry about was Marco Rubio. Little Marco. When little Marco stuck amongst millennials, his numbers plummeted. Come on. I'm, I'm quoting your facts right here. Now, the last one, the senator out of, out of the state of Texas, Ted Cruz. 
which most of all your left-wing media points as a huge racist. He is the one of only, only two other senators, Republican senators, that has tried to pass legislation that would remove Margaret Sanger from the Smithsonian because she was a racist. Church, I'm quoting you facts right here. I'm telling you. Margaret Sanger, the, the founder of Planned Parenthood, who said that black people are weeds in society. All right? I got to shut Ted down, so what do I do? I say, Lion Ted. When Lion Ted got branded, Lion Ted fell in the polls. So now we got two nominees. What does he do? Crooked Hillary. And it goes in. So millennials are a branded generation. So listen to me. So they don't look at facts and they have no absolutes because we know this because the education system has said, don't tell them what is absolute, whatever feels right. Why do you have a school shooting that happens? Well, I woke up this morning and just felt like it. It just feels good. Why do we got teenage sex left and right? Because it just feels good. Let me give you a great quote right here. You better believe it feels good. But God designed sex in the covenant of marriage, period, between a man and a woman. Can I get some help up in here? Okay. So here's the thing. Ask, ask millennials this. Because they go with brands, ask them things like this. What comes to your mind about the National Rifle Association? What comes to your mind about a preacher who votes Republican? If you don't find three out of five that'll say that's a bigot and a racist, because that's all they know, because that's what the media pushes. Now, let me finish with this. I showed a clip in my office one day. How many knows Pastor John Gray? Raise your hand if you know John Gray. Pastor John Gray pastors a church that was handed to him by... Ron Carpenter in Greenville, South Carolina, called Redemption Outreach, a, I mean a powerhouse in the nation. John Gray was with Joel Osteen, right? He leaves Lakewood, goes there. They do this round table at the White House. There's Trump sitting right next to him was John Gray. The hate mail that rose against John Gray was so great that Don Lemon asked him to come on his show and to defend himself for sitting at the table. And he quoted Dr. Martin Luther King and says, there can be no change until you get a seat at the table. I showed a video of a, of a mega pastor in Baltimore, Maryland. I would call his name and I got, I'm, I'm going to get off of that. I, I will call his name if you need to know who it is. He flies, listen to this, he flies from Baltimore, Maryland to to Greenville, South Carolina, and he does a, fa a Facebook Live video inside of a hotel room because he said John Gray wouldn't meet him. And he calls him out as an Uncle Tom. But here's the thing, here's what I would say this morning to that brother that be watching me by Facebook is the fact that this, first of all, the reason why you didn't get a seat at the table is because you got three children out of wedlock. Come on, somebody. And you don't have enough integrity and character to sit at the table. Who are you to call somebody out? Hello? 
the standard of biblical morality has got to come back to the house of God. You can call it holiness preaching. You can call it old timey, whatever you want. The plumb line don't change, baby. It's the word of God. The problem is, is we've slid so far out here to now people say, what's this babbler? What's this babbler got to say? What's this babbler talking about? And it doesn't take but a, but a quick study. It doesn't take but a quick study to see the things that are holding our communities back. The things that are holding our communities back. When intellectuals try to pass laws in this nation and they do it with great intention. But here's what's crazy. An engineer that builds something. An engineer that designs a building, if the building collapses, he's held accountable for what he designed. An intellectual in this nation now, they pass stuff that totally destroys things in the nation. And they're not even held accountable to it. That's Republican, Democrat, whatever, folks. I don't care whoever it is. White or black. I just simply say this. My heart burns for cultural transformation. In the year 2000, there was, there was 600 megachurches in this nation. In the year 2000, 600 megachurches. By, by last year, 2018, at the beginning of this year, there's 1,641 megachurches in this nation. And yet church attendance has plummeted. Plummeted. Because what they view is we just a bunch of religious people in here trying to just, we're not talking about how do you live? How do you walk, Haley Murphy, on a college campus with what I just preached about and you believe what you believe? When every kid around you is going to parties, having orgies and everything else and drinking and snorting coke up their nose, how do you still hold? That's what we got to tell her. We owe it to her as a church body to pray and call her name before God every day and say, God, give her strength. Hold her accountable to the Word of God. Come on, somebody. What do you do when your teenager son comes home and says, Daddy, I was told today at school, anybody got a Drake, anybody got a Drake jacket on? Anybody that wears a Drake jacket, Drake is a waterfowl company. He said this, they're going to get beat up. Who's going to beat them up? All the black boys are going to jump on. Anybody's got a Drake jacket. I said, don't wear your Drake jacket. He said, I want to wear my Drake jacket. Because society and believing branding and things that is heralded out on the media, my God, come on, somebody. Because my son, yeah, we white, I can't help it. I was born white. But we don't have nothing. We've spent our entire ministry trying to bring unity. I got my money where my mouth is. $10,000 we put into the Boys and Girls Club. And when we bought a banner to go on the hornet fence, it sure wasn't the Bagley's on that banner. And it sure wasn't Cornerstone. I put the Boys and Girls Clubs on the fence of that banner, and I said, you better put a Hispanic boy, a white boy, and a black boy on that banner to show what we support and what we're 100% for is the unity of the brethren. These are tough issues, I understand. But some of the things that are trying to be brought into this land that we think are going to help, is going to hurt, and it's going to destroy even further. 
Why did the socialists, why did the millennials vote for the socialists? They want free college, free everything. Nobody's ever got money because it was free. It's called hard work. In 1997, I graduated Bacon County High School and I started a place called Elma Telephone Company for $5.15 an hour. And my job was to run a set of post hole diggers all day long. Get you some of that. I didn't have the belly back then and I had a set of traps that make you look at. You with me? When I did like that, my arm didn't fall down. It went up running post hole diggers. I'll tell you how much we run them within three months. You know the one that's got the three screws on the side, wood handle. No, no fiberglass handle, it's junk. Wood handle. Steve ain't got your wood handle, make him get your wood handle. We would run the jaws all the way down to the screws within three months. That's how much we dig with post hole diggers. But you know what? I got a place on the rung of the ladder. Millennials want to start as the CEO. That doesn't happen. Come on. Are you listening to me, teenager? I started with, at 1997 at 515. Within eight years, I was in six figures. Not because I increased my education, but because I was a hard worker and did on-the-job training. The deal is, is what we're pushing our kids to do, go off to college, get a college degree. They're not getting educated. They're getting doctrinated. That's good. Here's what you ask when you take your kid to college. Not how good is your football team. Not if you in the ACC or the SEC. Ain't nobody going to beat Bama for a few years anyhow, okay? Listen, let's call it like it is. Oh, listen. Listen here. What you do is ask how do you, how are you going to teach my kid what truth is? 99% is going to say, oh, we teach truth is whatever the way they feel. Then the best thing you can do is put your kid in the car and drive them somewhere else. So when your child comes home from school, and says, Daddy, did you know that 500 million, I mean, I mean, 100 million years ago that a Tyrannosaurus Rex was running around eating people? He said, no, son, that didn't happen. Now, actually, his fossils are about 4,350 4, years old. And how he got in the sediment of the rock like he did was because there was a lot of weight on top of him. And that happened when God caused the earth to open up and rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And a man named Noah built a boat. A boat. Come on, somebody. And his family went into the side. And the boat didn't have multiple windows. It had one window out the very top. Come on, somebody. Am I in the book right here? We finishing up. It had one window in the very top. Because it was built with three Three levels, the ark was. Three levels with one wind out the top. Why? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And what he was saying is, if you want to be saved, get your family on the ark. What are you telling me this morning, preacher? I'm telling you, if you're in this place, listen, why you need Jesus is not because of what you did last night. You need Jesus because there was a man by the name of Adam who sinned on your behalf. Listen to me this morning. 
This is the gospel truth right here. You getting it. Unfiltered. Adam sinned. He fell into the garden. God did not bulletproof the garden. He is a God of choice. That's why the Bible says, choose you this day which God you're going to serve. That's why Joshua said, choose whatever you can serve the gods on the other side. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And history proves out in this nation. When we honored God, look at the results of our nation. Come on, somebody. You can't buy into the lie that says, well, this, this country was never. Listen, I, man, I ain't got time to get in all that because I'm fitting to get into some American history. Now. I ain't got time to dig all that out. But here's the deal. I got to have Jesus. Most people, you ask them this in church, how many sin does it take? Do you got to commit to be a sinner? People say one. That's absolutely wrong. You don't have to commit any sin to be a sinner because the Bible says you're born into sin. You know how you know that? Go take a, go take a child up there. We go up in our nursery right now and do an observation. You ain't got to take, you ain't got to teach a child how to be stingy. They do that by nature. No, we ain't sharing nothing. So how do you deal with that type of nature? You deal with it through Jesus Christ and being born again. Because the Bible says that we become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Right? So you and I need Jesus. We need the cross. Why? Because Adam fell. When Adam fell, God came to redeem what Adam lost in the garden through the last Adam, which was Jesus Christ. He came and walked this earth as a sinless man. Come on, somebody. As a sinless man, born of a virgin. He died at 33 and a half years old on a cross at the Via Della Rosa, walked the Via Della Rosa up Golgotha's Hill, the place of the skull, and he hung there and died. He was in a tomb for three days, and on the third day, the Scripture says he rose again. But he was never vacating in there dead for three days. He was, the Scripture says, in Hades preaching the gospel. Am I in the book? And he looked at the devil in Hades and said, I come to get the deed. That's right, baby. Hand it over. I'm taking the deed, the deed to death, hell, and the grave. Come on now. That's why you and I, there's no death to the Christian. We never die. We may simply leave this earth, but we never die. We step from one side to the other and live for eternity. Now, let me tell you the other gospel truth. There'll be some to say, look at this babbler, this fat, bite, bald-headed man from Sparks, Georgia. What is this babbler saying? But the scripture says that one day, who they call a babbler will bow their knee down and say, thou art the Lord, thou art the Son of the living God, thou art the Christ. For the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He is God. Come on, somebody. Let me give you some more good news. One day it ain't no fairy tale. It ain't no old Bible story. It ain't something fading away. One day the Bible says that in a twinkling of an eye, he shall come again, and those that are alive shall be caught up with those that remain and will be together forever in eternity. This is the gospel. How my life going to change, preacher? It changes when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. That's the turning point. How do I get free? The turning point is when you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, I've done it my way. I've tried it my way. And it ain't working. You simply surrender and receive. Happened to me on February the 2nd of 1998 in my bedroom at my house. I will not buy into the lie that this nation is done.
We've sent more missionaries than any nation of the world. Millennials are waking up by the thousands. The proof of the pudding is in this small community of Sparks, Georgia. Look at Stanton Moore. Look at Seth Griner on that keyboard. Look at Gavin. Look at the ones in this house that are running for God. Look at the young Gen Zers sitting on the front, half asleep. But they're waking up. In Jesus' name, stand up with me this morning. Let's give God a big hand clap of praise up in this house for His Word. Listen to this. Write this down. You want a book that'll change your life? You better be a reader. 60-some chapters. Somebody look at the people. People's like, they thought it was one chapter. They were going to write it down. It's called This Precarious Moment. Six steps to save you and your family. This precarious moment, six steps to save you and your family. I can't tell you the other ones because y'all you, you, wouldn't even be reading them. It's written by James L. Garlow and David Barton. If you want to get the book right there, David, raise your hand. We'll give him a plug. He owns a Christian bookstore, Tifton, Georgia. Go by and tell him right there, I need the book. They'll have it for you in a few days. How many feel good in your heart? How many is ready to go out and make a difference? Huh? How many is ready to get armed and dangerous? How many is ready to get armed and dangerous? This is, my, this is what I told Catherine. I want to pastor a church that when the Jehovah Witness comes up in your yard, you don't run in there and cut the lights off. I want to say glory to God. I'm glad you showed up today. Come on in this house and let us have. Take us some bread. <laughs> Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for each other in this room, Father. We thank you, God, that you have not left us nor forsaken us, God, but you are with us, Father. Father, we trust you, God, that you are going to help us turn the tide in this nation, Father. Little by little, Father, the things that are dividing us, God, you're going to help us to overcome these issues. Father, we want to see massive healing. We want the bomb of Gilead to flow throughout our streets, Father. We don't want to walk, we don't want to go home and see another school shooting, Father. We don't want to see that, God. We don't want to see no more division, God. We want to see a school that can be black, white, yellow, all color, and truly love one another, Father. That is our heart's cry in this room this morning. I pray, Father God, those that have heard me preach this morning would realize that you are the truth and the life. And, Father, that the, if, we, if we would only trust you, things would begin to change in our lives. And I thank you for that this morning in Jesus' mighty name. God bless you all. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you here next Sunday morning. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.